You are listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Josh Hilton. I'm grateful that, that they sang that song this morning because there is joy in the house of the Lord today because we've been able to see God do some incredible things uh, this week. And hey, guess what? Today, we're not going to be silent. We're going to celebrate some of those things this morning. Uh, the title of our message is The Importance of Unity. But what I wanted to do first is, is I wanted to give us a, a VBS recap uh, as as. Uh, for those of you that, that may not have been here, maybe you've not heard yet, we had an incredible week at, at VBS. So uh, for our volunteers that are here, uh, for those that, that served in any way, shape, or form, whether it was serving in the kitchen, whether it was our security team, whether it was writing cards and praying for people, teaching Bible, doing anything there, if you volunteered for VBS this week, would you please stand where you are? Church, can we give them a round of applause? Now, I know that nobody here standing did that for the applause, but I'm going to tell you why we want to uh, applaud them this morning in just a moment. And if I could get uh, Angela and Meredith, if y'all would come forward, please. I'm, I ain't going to let you just stand where you're at. I'm going to make you come up here. It's the type of person I am. These two ladies began thinking about VBS far earlier than any of us wanted to. Uh, they were thinking about VBS after last year when everybody's looking and going, hey, we're tired, uh, we're, we're, we're exhausted from a week of VBS. These ladies began preparing and planning for what it was going to look like this year. Uh, and so this morning, I wanted to recognize both of them um, because you know what? VBS is, it, it's a hard week for everybody. They would love to have just spent this week doing VBS, but we've been having these conversations since January about what VBS was going to look like. We probably would have had these conversations even earlier than that, but I didn't get here till January. So day one, we started talking about what VBS was going to look like this year, six months in advance. Uh, and they began planning and brainstorming and thinking through what all it was going to look like. And because of, of all of that, we had a successful week because of the work that they put in on the front end. Now, I know there's a lot of other people who they included in all of that, but we do want to thank them this morning for being the leaders of our VBS. So if y'all would, give them a round of applause. This is just a, and that, just a small token of our appreciation for the work uh, that they did leading into this. So ladies, sincerely thank you for leading out in this. Um, and, and making a successful week for VBS. And I know the stage is y'all's favorite place, so I'm just going to let y'all stay up here the whole message, right? All right. No, y'all can go ahead. Y'all give them another round of applause. I wanted us to celebrate the volunteers, and I wanted us to celebrate our leaders before I got into some other things that I wanted us to celebrate probably about a, a week or so ago, we were talking about our missions offering and knew, we knew where it was going to go. 
We knew that we were going to split it between one more child, which is the Florida Baptist Children's Home. Uh, y'all have known it as Florida Baptist Children's Home for, for a really long time. They've rebranded. They call themselves One More Child. Uh, but uh, they, they focus on our, our state and taking care of children through lots of different things. It's a wonderful organization. Uh, we support them in a lot of things that they do. But that is uh, something that is statewide. Um, that, that we supported with our missions offering. And also, we supported on the um, global level, we supported Operation Christmas Child, uh, which if you've been around the, the church any length of time, you've probably heard of Operation Christmas Child and the fact that they collect shoeboxes uh, with little goods in it and they give Christmas gifts to these kids that probably wouldn't have anything without that. But in each gift goes the gospel. And so it's not just a, a, a ball that they can def- inflate when they get to wherever country it is it's going to. It's not just a, a doll. It's not a, just a new pair of shoes, not just some socks and underwear and some uh, essentials that we take for granted. But inside that gift is the gospel, and it's presented to them. Uh, and, and that is something that that organization is very purposeful in. And so for us, our missions offering this year went split uh, I believe it was the same way last year, but we split that. And so Meredith and I were talking, uh, and Angela, and we were talking about a goal for our missions offering. And Meredith said, I would love for us to get $1,000. I said, I think that's great. I don't know what Highland's done in the past. I don't know how God has blessed and used them to reach those offerings. I said, that is great. And then we started conversations with, with another lady, uh, Miss Pat Kennedy, because uh, we talked about what would happen if we reached our goal. We got to do something fun. We got to celebrate when we reach our goal. And so we talked about uh, doing guys versus girls and uh, the, the winning team would get to pie certain leaders in the face as we reach goals. And so we said all of that. And we asked Miss Pat, so what would it take for you to be a part of that? And Miss Pat said, we got to go big. She said, if your goal is $1,000, she said, I'll get involved if we get to $2,000. I said, great. That's what we're going to advertise. Our goal is now $2,000 so that we can get Miss Pat to come up here on stage and we can pie her in the face. And we tried, we tried to get Robert to do it. He wouldn't do it because he's a smart married man. Uh, so I got the privilege of, of pieing Miss Pat in the face because not only did we get to our goal of $2,000, but church... These kids and some of you chipped in to reach our goal and exceed it, and we raised $2,540.33. In the span of a week, we gave almost $1,300 to each of those organizations. Maybe, maybe the pie enticed us to dig a little bit deeper. But nonetheless, we made that and we blew past that. So everybody got pied because that's the way we do it here. Uh, but it was, it was great. And, and so we raised far above and beyond what we had desired because God had a different goal. Amen. But that's not the greatest milestone of this week that we had. For those of you that may not know, on Thursday night was our, our gospel night and Miss Sherry came and she did the Bible story for us and I, I talked to some kids about that and, and the seeds have been planted all week long talking about the story of Jesus. But on Thursday night, we got to the death and the resurrection and they heard that the tomb was empty. In church, this morning, the reason there is joy in the house of the Lord today 
is because there were six kids and students who said, I want to ask that Jesus into my heart. We had six salvations because of the work that was done. Raising money for missions is incredible, but impacting somebody's eternity is what that whole week is about. And you know what? I can go a long time without sleep if we can plant that seed of the gospel and get to harvest that. God gives us that energy to be able to see, to see that and to be able to push through. Uh, so I just want to thank y'all this week for the work that you did. I want to thank y'all for the prayers that you prayed and everything that you did to, uh, to make VBS a success here at Highland. I, that, yes, by all means. We have reason to celebrate today because God was working this past week and he's going to continue to do so. And so this week I, I was praying, I was like, where, where do we want to go? And uh, I had some ideas because our, our theme all week was shine Jesus' light. And that's what Stellar had uh, themed everything to is all of these different things. But they kept pushing this idea of shine Jesus' light. And so I was praying this week about where we'd go. And I was wrestling with it because I had ideas and, and I knew that God had some different ideas. And he pointed me to a place uh, something he laid on my heart here a while back, but for a totally different purpose. Uh, so he pointed me to Acts chapter 6. And so this morning, that's where we're going to find ourselves. We're going to talk about the importance of unity, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. And the thing that God was speaking to me this week is that we got to see him work. We got to see him do stuff. We got to see God move and, and lives be changed. And uh, we got to see the fruit of the gospel be harvested. We got to celebrate and have fun. And we saw students uh, and kids. And it was, just, it was just a wonderful week. But the thing that God was telling me this week is, Josh, we got to be prepared for what's to come. See, the thing is, when we, when we hit those highs of what God is doing, we get into that, that mode of, hey, we're seeing God work, and we get excited about all that, we got to be prepared for what's going to come. And you say, well, Brother Josh, what's that? Well, as God is moving, guess what's going to happen? Is when God moves, Satan's going to attack. When God begins to move and his people respond in a positive way and we get excited about what God is doing, Satan is on the back end and he's trying to attack and he's trying to nip at the heels of all of us that are moving forward, working uh, for the kingdom. And so this morning, what it is, is we, we've got to be prepared for what it is to come because Satan wants to disrupt Satan wants to distract. He wants to stop the movement that God is doing among God's people. We see that early on in Scripture. With Adam and Eve, everything was good in the garden. They got to walk in the cool of the day with the Creator. Satan didn't like that. So he tempted Eve and sin entered into humanity. You also see that in uh, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is baptized. He is, uh, uh, ministry is starting for him. He is about to walk into this three plus year journey of ministry that he's going to have. But after he's baptized, he's sent to the wilderness. And after 40 days of fasting, 
40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he is tempted by Satan. Because there's, there's a chance that Satan knew what was going to happen when Jesus started this ministry. There, there's a chance that Satan knew what was coming if Jesus started to speak about the things that only Jesus would know at this point in time. And so Satan wanted to trip him up. And he tried three times, he failed. Because Jesus is the Son of God and he is, he is perfect. He was not swayed by Satan's tactics. He was able to fight the uh, misrepresentation of Scripture with real Scripture. And so we see in, in the Bible that oftentimes when God moves, Satan wants to attack. When things are good, Satan creeps in to try and distract the church from what it is that God is trying to do. There's a lot of different ways that Satan can attack. There's a lot of different ways he's going to try and stop that movement of God's people. But one of the greatest ways that he does that is he does it through division. He likes to divide God's people. He likes to point out those small things. He likes to remind us of our preferences. He likes to remind us of the things that are different about us. And he uses that to divide us. Because he wants nothing more than the people, the, the people of God to fight within because if we're fighting amongst ourselves, guess what? The gospel's not going out there. If we're fighting amongst ourselves, then the word is not being proclaimed to those who are lost and, and, and dying in the world around us. We're not reaching people because they look and go, hey, well, they're just as messed up as we are. And the truth is, we are just as messed up as they are. But that's really evident when we allow Satan in, into the doors to divide the church Matthew 12, verse 25 says this, And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And we're going to tell you, church, this morning, Highland will not last if we get divided amongst ourselves. Highland's been here a really long time. We're, we're wrapping up year 104 for this church. But if we allow... Satan to come in and, and divide us. We're, we are not going to be able to stand against that. We've got to stay focused on what it is that God wants for us. We've got to look and go, you know what? Yeah, we have differences because we're people, but we're going to continue to celebrate what God's doing. We can't let him in. We can't let him look and go, hey, you know what, Josh? You really don't care for that. You really don't like that thing that they do. You really don't like this, this thing that's happening here. You're, you know what your preference is. You go back to, to the way you were raised and that, that's what you want. And Satan can slowly pick us apart before we even realize it. And so this morning I want us to look at the importance of unity. And there's a story in Scripture in Acts chapter 6. And if you're familiar with the, the book of Acts, it's, it's an incredible uh, book here written by Luke, and um, it's his second book that he wrote, but one of the things that, that we find in here is this is where the early church starts. So he picks up with, with where he left off his gospel in, in writing to Theophilus, and, and he tells him, he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, and you're going to be my witnesses in all of these places, and then in Acts chapter 2, the, the flooding of the Spirit comes and thousands of people are saved and, and that just continues to grow and grow and grow. And then we get to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, 
a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily service serving of food. Isn't that just like Satan to try and distract? It says there in the first verse, it reminds us what's happening. It says, now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, the church is growing, good things are happening, and all of this is going on. And of course, a complaint comes. And it's not one that, that lacks value. So, so don't misunderstand that. It's not one that's, that's not of substance. It's not one that's just one of those things. But it's a distraction for what's happening in the church in that day. The church was growing. There was good things happening. People were coming to know the Lord. And it wasn't just the Hebrew people. It was the Greeks that were coming. And they were becoming a part of this. And, but those Greeks looked and said, hey, our widows aren't being taken care of. Our widows are being overlooked. Well, if you dig into it, there's a language barrier there between the Hebrew and the Greeks. So instead of trying to find a way to get past that, they were being overlooked. They weren't being served as the church was called to serve these widows. And so uh, the other widows of, of the Hebrew Jews, they, were, they weren't being overlooked. They were being served. But these other widows, they were being overlooked. And, and, and there was an issue there. And it was causing division in the church uh, pretty quickly here. In the midst of the church growing, this one complaint could have derailed everything. Could have derailed absolutely everything that God was doing. But look at what verse 2 says. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now, if you're anything like me, if you've read that verse, you're looking and going, Hey, those guys said it's beneath them to serve tables. That's not the case. That is not what is, is, is uh, the interpretation of this scripture. But if you just read it on the surface, you're looking and going, hey, the 12 are saying, hey, it's, it's not good for us to give up preaching and just come and serve tables. No, there was a need that was here, but there were other people that needed to fill this role. This role was not any less important because we're going to see qualifications for people to fill this role in just a moment. But what was happening here is they said it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. And so what they're saying here is that the roles were different. They're equally important in ministering to the believers of that day. But they're saying we can't stop doing what we're doing and stop preaching the word because that's what we're called to do. We need some other people to come alongside of us and serve these widows. So don't uh, misunderstand that they're, they're looking and saying, hey, our role is far more important than yours, so y'all need to figure this out. That's not what's happening here. They're just saying, hey, right now we're, we're called to continue preaching the word. We've got, we can't neglect that. We can't stop this and turn our focus over here. We've got to continue on. God is saying this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is our job, but we need some more people to come alongside of us and serve these people. And it was an important job because there's qualifications for it. Because in verse 3 it says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. 
And so they said, hey, we've got to pick some people who have a good reputation. Uh, they're full of the spirit and of wisdom. And those are the guys that are going to lead this charge here. They're going to make sure that people are not neglected in the church. Oftentimes in the church, we would look and if somebody brought that complaint to us, we're going to look and say, well, what do you mean we're neglecting a group in the church? What do you mean we're, we're doing this? We're, we're not. We're, this is how we're serving them. This is how we're doing this. But that's not what the apostles did in that day. They looked and they said, hey, you know what? You're right. Let's find a solution. Let's find a way to make sure that we're serving everybody. But sometimes in the church today, we get to that point. We're looking going, what is the church doing for me? And I'm not really happy. The church hasn't done anything for me lately. You know what? I, I don't even know why I go up there. Because that, that church hadn't, they hadn't done anything for my age group in a long time. Yeah, Brother Josh talked about the legacy adults having, having a fellowship next week. feel like they have one every month. When's my fellowship coming? When, when do I get to get together with people? When, when, are, when are they going to do something for us? Well, you know, they always do, the, those men, they have that breakfast. When are they going to cook breakfast for the ladies? Come on, we'll cook breakfast for you too. But that's the thing is y'all laugh and I appreciate that because those are the little things that often divide the church. It's not the ones that we look and go, hey, you know what? He, he's preaching that Jesus died on the cross and he was raised from the dead and the tomb is empty and now he's up in heaven and our job is to go and tell people. We don't get divided on those things. We don't get divided because you can't argue with that. We get divided on our preferences. We get divided on the things that we like, the things that uh, we, we think are, are important because they serve us. See, this very well could have turned into a very big issue for the church early on because these Hellenistic Jews, the, the Greeks that were uh, now of faith, were looking and going, hey, our widows aren't taken care of. And instead of the apostles looking and going, well, what are you doing for your widows? They said, hey, we'll find a solution. The complaint was brought to them and instead of them making a case for, hey, well, this is how we serve. This is how we do. This is what we're doing for them. And they just need to fall in line with all of that. No, they said, hey, let's find a way that we can do this. But we need some more people to come alongside of us. We need some people to help us serve. But this, this is an important task. They didn't say, well, hey, just pick somebody. They'll make it work. No, we said we need some men. They said seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So this is an important role. We want to make sure that they're taken care of. That they're not neglected. And so we're only looking for certain people to fill that role. We need people with a good reputation. We need people who are led by the Spirit and are wise in their decision making. It wasn't just, hey, you know what anybody will do. We just got to quieten them up. We just got to stop them from, from complaining about this because the church is growing. So we don't want any complaints because that's just going to distract from what's happening. No, they said, hey, let's put some of our best people in charge of that and make sure that they're taken care of. Verse 4 says, uh, it said, put, put them in charge of this task. And verse 4 says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and uh, Nicanor, and, and Timon, and, and Parmenas, and, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So not only did they pick seven men that fit the criteria of that, if you actually look at those, all those names are Greek. That's probably why I struggle pronouncing them. All those names were Greek names, and and they are spelled out. So they chose people who would have a heart for that ministry, a heart to take care of these people, somebody that would be invested in it. Not only did they fit the good reputation and follow in the spirit and full wisdom, those were their people. So they looked and said, we're going to choose seven men. And it just so happened that those seven men were Greek. And so they were called to serve their widows because now there wouldn't be a language barrier for them. They wouldn't be ignored because there was a, a, a difference in translation there. That's, they would not be ignored because of differences there. They would be taken care of because the men who were called were just like they were. And so we see that, that a crisis was averted in the church, but it could have become a really big deal. It could have become a really big issue had they let that complaint just fester. Had they let that be something that they didn't deal with. But they brought these before the apostles and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Had it not been a big deal, they wouldn't have prayed and laid hands on them. They commissioned them for this work. When we send out a team of people, when we prayed over our VBS stuff, when we've prayed for our search committees, we've brought them forward, we've laid hands on them because we understood that the task was important. And we prayed for them, we continue to pray for them because we want to see God work in them. That's exactly what they did with these seven men when they brought them before the apostles. They, they prayed for them and they laid hands on them and said, Lord, use them to work among your people. They were commissioned for the task. And so the role was an important role. It was a valid complaint, but they didn't allow it to divide the church. We have to be careful that even if our complaint is valid, that we don't allow, don't allow it to divide the church. The same advice that I've given to our search committees as they're walking through looking for and praying for our, our children's position and our music position. And I've told them that we can have those discussions behind closed doors, but at the end of the day, we're all working on the same team. We can have those conversations that that are tough that we really need to dive into and get our preferences out of the way, but let's air those things out with this committee and then we can all get on the same page. Because if we're not on the same page, then it's just going to cause division in the church. Unity is important for the church Because if we're not unified, we're divided. And when we're divided, we're not doing any good. We're not reaching people. We're not doing things that matter in our community because we're not on the same page here. It's hard for us to make a difference when we don't agree. Even if it's just agreeing to disagree 
and saying, hey, we're still on the same team. We've still got the main focus of Highland Baptist Church reaching Molino. We've still got the main focus of making, making much of God every time we meet together. We've still got the, fa- the same focus of reaching the lost for His glory. We've still got the same focus of trying to do things to bring honor and praise to the King. We can disagree on things, but we can't let it divide us. See, 1 Peter 5.8 says this. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And let me tell you what, when he sees that, that small instance where you're looking and going, I don't like this thing, guess what? That's what he's latching on to. As soon as he sees, hey, you know what? I don't really care for the way they did this. Well, hey, you know what? That's an issue. That little voice gets in the back of your head. Now you know that's a problem. That probably shouldn't be done in the church. They shouldn't have done it like that. You know what? That's, that's going to be an issue. That's going to lead to all these different things. And he just kind of lets that roll in our mind. And yet, he's just trying to distract us from what it is God wants to do. He's trying to stop that momentum from God working through his church. We can't let that happen. The beauty of this instance that we see here in Acts chapter 6 is if you look at verse 7, they handled it in the right way, and then verse 7 says the word of God kept on spreading. Praise the Lord. The word kept on spreading. They handled this in the right way to the fact that God got the glory and none of the work was stopped because it kept on spreading throughout that place. The gospel continued to go and it says, and the number of the disciples continued to increase, not just increase, but to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Well, guess what? Now the people that were religious are looking and going, hey, I want some of that Jesus because I just watched the church handle a situation that would have tore us apart. I just watched the church look and go, hey, you know what? There's a complaint. We'd have sat there for a long time and we would have argued about it and we would have done all these different things and it would have split our our group into pieces because we wouldn't have agreed on anything. But because they allowed God to solve this issue because they allowed God to work through the wisdom uh, and, and guidance of the Spirit, the Word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. We gloss over that sometimes. We look and, and, and many people will tell you this is the foundation of the deacon ministry. This is kind of where it started. They pulled people apart and set them apart to do a task of serving people. I was asked early on in one of our first deacons meeting, Josh, what do you desire for the deacons to do? I desire for them to serve. Well, what does that look like? I said, I'm still learning Highland, but I want us to serve. Whatever it is we do, ever how that looks, I want our deacons to serve. As leaders in the church, I want them to be that example of service to our people. I want our people to be taken care of. And as we grow, I won't be able to do that by myself. Because I'm only one person. I can't care for everybody that is a part of our church. It's just not possible. 
And as we grow, that really won't be possible. And so I got to lean on other leadership to do that. I lean on our people that are over different age group ministries. And I say, hey, I'm trusting that you're taking care of things. And if I need to know about it, you let me know about it and then I'll help. They had an issue and they appointed seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom to handle that issue. They gave them that task and said, hey, here's your role. Here's your ministry. Here's what it is that we need you to do to serve the Lord and His people. And they did that. And our prayer, my prayer for Highland is that we all find our role to serve the Lord and find our area of ministry. And as we continue to serve Him, as we fulfill our task, we're going to grow. The gospel is going to spread. And people are going to know They're going to come to know who the Lord is. And there's going to be people that show up that may surprise us. Because I'm going to go and tell you right now, these priests probably surprised the church of that day. They were looking and going, those were the religious folks of the day. But they were in the temple every day because that's where they were supposed to be. So they heard the teachings. They heard the preaching. They saw these people fellowship and spend time with one another. And they were impacted with the gospel just because they were in the area. Wouldn't that be great to say of Highland Baptist Church that Molino was impacted just because they saw how the church fellowshiped together. That Molino was impacted just because they saw how the people interacted with one another and how we treat people outside these walls and how we do things inside these walls. And they look and go, you know what? There's just something different about that group of people. And it's not because Josh is their leader. It's because they're following the Lord and God is their king. That's the only way that we accomplish that. That's the only way that we ever get past complaints and we uh, avert division that happens in the church is we got to follow him. And we got to look and take it to him every time those things happen. Every time those complaints arise, we, we look to him to solve those issues. But the thing is, we just, we had the opportunity to celebrate this morning. We had the opportunity to celebrate something that God did this past week. And so church, this morning, we got to be careful knowing that we can't lose our sight. We can't look and go, "Ah, that's over. Now we can relax. No, it's only beginning. Because God has started something. And he's saying, hey, there's a little taste of what it is that I can do in just a week. There's a little taste of what it is that I can do if you'll just follow me, if you'll just make much of me. And even if you do it in a different way, even if it doesn't look like church every week, if you, even if it's something different, we got silly songs that we sing, but good songs that we sing. We got Bible stories. We got games that we play. We got science experiments that we do. Well, guess what? If we'll just do some things that God asks us, to do, he's going to continue to give us that little taste of reaching people for his kingdom. So we can't let our guard down now. We can't get stagnant now. We can't get comfortable now saying, whew, VBS is over. Now we can just go back to the rest of our summer. No, VBS was the kickoff for for what it is that God wants to do. It was one of those uh, re-energizers for us. You may be saying, Josh, I don't feel that energy. Well, think about what he did and you will. If you truly think about the difference he made, you're going to feel that energy and he's going to push you through that tiredness. And he, I promise you, he'll give you rest when you need it. But we can't let our guard down. 
We got to watch because Satan wants to attack. Satan's desire is to divide us on the way to the mountaintop or when we're already there. He ain't worried about us when we're struggling. He worries about us when we're following God and, God, and we start to see him move. And that's when he says, okay, now's my time to attack. So church, we got to be ready. We got to be on guard. We got to watch. We got to be diligent. We got to continue praying like we were praying for those kids at BBS. We got to pray for our community. We got to pray for our church. We got to pray for the lost. We got to pray for these committees. Uh, we got to pray for uh, your, your leadership here at the church. We got to pray that God would continue to move. Or are we just going to sit back and wait till next year to celebrate more salvations? Or are we just going to sit back and wait till next VBS to look and go, hey, it was good to see God do some stuff again. We'll wait another year for it. That was enough to get us through to next year. I don't think anybody's satisfied with that. I'm not. I'm not satisfied that the work's done. I'm satisfied that it's getting started. I'm satisfied that, that we're starting to see God move us in that direction that he wants us to go. But we gotta be on guard. We gotta be ready for those attacks that are gonna come our way. We have to guard ourselves so that Satan doesn't come in and divide us with the small things while God is trying to accomplish the big things through his church. Again, it's not gonna be these truths right here that divide us because Scripture's black and white. It's not going to be these things that divide us. It's going to be those things that we like, those things that we desire, those things that we think are important but are always secondary to the gospel. I have to be careful of that myself. I have to make sure that Josh doesn't let Josh get in the way of what God wants to do. Angela asked me yesterday, she said, hey, you got a sermon title in scripture? It was yesterday morning or yesterday afternoon. I said, I'm, try I'm still trying to get Josh out of the way. I said, because I got a lot of places that I want to go. I said, God hadn't told me to go yet. I struggled this week looking at where it is that we should go because there were a lot of things that I wanted to do. And God said, no, Josh, we got to make sure that the church is ready. Because now that we've experienced a high, guess what? He's going he's gonna to nitpick. Satan's going to nitpick those small things. And he's going to use that to divide us. We can't let that happen. Because God's got big things on the horizon for Highland. God's got big things for Molino in this community. God desires to reach people with his truth and his word. And we can't do that if we're not united in that effort together. So this morning, I don't know where it is that you are. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. I don't know what you came in these doors with. But I do know this morning that God desires to use His church for His glory and His glory alone. So sometimes we just got to get out of the way. So this morning, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And I'm going to challenge you to search yourself and truly ask yourself, say, hey, God, what is it that's in the way of me being the person you want me to be? God, what is it that I'm allowing to distract from the greater goal, the greater vision that you have for our church? God, what is it that I 
am not willing to let go of to give you the glory. There may be some of you here this morning that, you know what, your distraction is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can't hear from God because you're not talking to him. You're not in a relationship with him. And so maybe this morning he's looking and saying, I want you to be a part of the family. I need you to make that decision to follow me because I've got something great for you. And I promise you he does. So maybe this morning your decision is to follow him. Maybe this morning you need to be obedient to whatever it is he's calling you to, whether that's baptism or joining the church or being a part of, uh, of this family here. Or maybe that obedience is just stepping out and coming and laying those things at the altar today. I don't know how God is speaking to you, but this morning I trust that He is. There's one thing that I do know is God wants this church unified. He wants us to be united in the effort of reaching people in this community. He wants us to love people and to love them well. And that's something that we've continued to talk about. So what's holding us back from doing that? It's the same question I ask myself each and every week. What's holding me back from leading you well? What's holding me back from pointing this church to where it's supposed to be? This morning, you've got to ask yourself the same question. What's holding you back from being the person that God has called you to be? And now's the time to wrestle with that question. Now's the time to deal with that. And, and if God is asking you to take a step of obedience today, I pray that you will do just that. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for all that we've seen you do this week. And Lord, I, I'm almost ashamed to say, God, you blew my expectations. God, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations walking into VBS week. I knew it was going to be good. I was excited to see how Highland does VBS. And Lord, I was just trusting that you were going to make everything work out. And Lord, did you ever. And so Lord, today we, we celebrate what you've done this week. Lord, we celebrate the life change that has happened because your people were faithful and they gave of their time. Lord, we celebrate the life change that will happen as, as we send that offering to different places, not only in our state, but across the globe, Lord, to, to make an impact. Lord, we celebrate that. But God, we know. We know that you're not done. You're still working. And you can use what we did at VBS to spur your people into something greater. But Lord, we also know that when we follow you, Satan attacks. And God, this morning, Satan's going to discourage somebody from stepping out. Satan's going to say, hey, no, you don't need to do that. He's going to try and distract us from what it is you're calling us to do. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to divide us from you. But the beauty of it is he has no power over you. Lord, we thank you for the fact that he has no power over you. And so, Lord, if we'll just follow you, you're going to work everything out. Even as the Satan tries to attack us, even as he tries to divide us, Lord, if we'll just follow you, if we'll just keep our eyes focused on you, that, God, you're going to do some incredible things in this place. Lord, we're asking that you would move this morning.
Call your people to obedience to you and we'll give you the glory for it all. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, please rate and review our podcast at Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.